Welcome to the Happy Valley Baptist Church Sermons Podcast. We are so glad that you have decided to listen to the message that God has brought through Brother Tim this week. This sermon was recorded on Father's Day, Sunday, June 21st, 2020, and released on Sunday, July 5th, 2020. This week's message is titled, Our Father, the Best Example, and the scripture references are Genesis chapter 18, verse 19, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 9, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 through 12, Psalms chapter 103, verses 13 through 14, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 29 through 31, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11, and 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. My prayer is that this message is a blessing to you. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the sermon. A little bit of history about Father's Day. Uh, Believe it or not, it was started by a young lady named Sonora Smart Dodd in Spokane, Washington. She heard a sermon about a Mother's Day sermon, and Mother's Day was not a a, a national holiday at that point either. But she heard a Mother's Day sermon, and she felt, you know, being a, a, her dad was a single father. Her mother had died in childbirth, and there were six kids. He, He chose to raise them kids by himself. So she said, there's got to be a way to honor my father. So she started that off way back in 1909 when she had the idea. So in 1910, they had their celebration, the first Father's Day celebration. And the young women handed out red roses to their fathers during a church service. There was a large basket of roses. Now, if your father was dead, you put on a white rose. If your father was alive, you wore a red rose in honor of your father. So I thought that was a really neat way to do things and uh, believe it or not it actually took from that point on it was 63 years before Father's Day became a national holiday Mother's Day on the other hand only took six years I'm just saying (laughs) so and actually the first Father's Day on record was it was actually not even a Father's Day sermon. It was done in, to honor 362 men who were killed in a coal mine explosion. Okay, and that was the first one on record as a Father's Day. It was honoring their fathers that had died in that coal mining explosion way back when. So this, this one was very hard for me as, as a, a, a Father's Day. Uh, my father was not the best father in the world. Uh, there's a lot of things, but... So I sat down with God, the ultimate father, and uh, we put this together. Now, I want to tell you, I'm preaching to myself because when I was doing this sermon, there was an elephant in the room, and he was stomping all over my feet, okay? And so don't, don't, (laughs) this is not picking on anybody specifically, you know. So I'm just going to say the responsibility of a child to his or her father is, is, is very important as well. And ladies, I want you to listen in as well because I mean, you're going to look around and you're going to start picking out a man to be the father of your children. So pay attention. You need to know that these things. So when it all started off, now I can remember watching the Waltons growing up, and I mean to tell you, that was a dad. OK? 
Okay, he'd help Johnny get the cat out of the tree, then come home, put the doll head back on for his little sister, and you know, then he'd go out there and work eight hour a day and come back and work the farm the rest of the day. Now that's a dad, that's a father. He'd sit out on a porch and have Sunday service, you know, preach to his kids every day. You know, so I was, yeah, that's what, that's what I grew up watching. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you know, it was amazing. Well, then things started changing around the 80s. When you were watching TV in the 80s, you had fathers that weren't quite like that. Mom began to run the home. She went off to work, and in some cases, Dad stayed home to wash the dishes and raise the children. And then there's this latest generation where we've got the age of the Simpsons. Okay, Dad's sometimes non-existent, or he's sitting in his underwear on the couch drinking a beer while Mom runs the entire household. So just looking at that, you can see where our society's been headed, and that's just the TV pro programs we're allowing our kids to watch. So how do they picture their father at this point in time? That's something that we need to strive to change. So we certainly do not need that to be the way it is. So our scripture today is Genesis 18:19. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Like I said, I thought a lot about fatherhood and things. Like I said, there was an elephant in the room, and he was tearing me up. So this is our Heavenly Father talking about one of our forefathers. We have our earthly fathers, and like I said, those fathers are known by many different ways. We have you know, biological fathers, of course, then we have stepfathers, and I call them step-in fathers because they step in where Dad did not. Okay, and that's an important thing we have today is our step-in fathers and our foster fathers. And then you have people that can't have children, and they just adopt kids willy-nilly across and, and raise them, try to teach them something. Very important that children have a father in their life. Now, I had one, and it was my grandfather. He raised me like I was his own, and he taught me things, and I did not learn from my father, trust me. So it takes anybody can make a baby, and a lot of them do. It takes a man that's willing to learn and grow to become a godly father. Now, the first part of this is a father lights the way. In other words, the father teaches. You know, he's, he's trying to teach his children the right way to be. Of course, that falls into the greatest command of the Bible. In Deuteronomy 6, 5, it says, Love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. If you know how to love God, you know how to treat your children. So, but that scripture doesn't stop there. It continues on. It says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, you need to impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. So that's not just the, everybody knows that first part, love the Lord with all your heart, but it actually gives you directions on how you're supposed to be. So God is telling fathers they have a responsibility to teach the children they love to love God with all their hearts. He tells them how to do it in that scripture. So when you're sitting, when you're standing, when you're walking, it's every day, all day. Teaching them doesn't happen by accident. You have to teach on purpose. You have to plan it or probably won't get done. You have to teach your children to love God. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up your child in a way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We all know that scripture. But a lot of people say, because that's, that's in the Old Testament, right? Rules changed. No, it didn't. 
You go to the New Testament in Ephesians 6, 4, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So it didn't change, but new or old. So one of the most important things a father does is teach his children. And we're teaching them whether we want to or not. Absentee fathers and deadbeat dads are teaching them that they aren't very important. Fathers, teach your children to love Jesus as their first priority. The National Center for Fathering says kids see everything. And I'm telling you as a parent, that was the greatest revelation to me. That kid sees everything you do and everything you say is repeatable. Trust me. So, yeah. So when we, when we parents do good things for others, our kids are seeing that and they understand. Okay? When we're not kind or understanding, they see that as well. They treat, see how you treat and you interact poorly with other people. Yeah, they see that. Secondly, your father is supposed to be the leader. The scripture we started with is our Heavenly Father explaining that one of our forefathers, Abraham, is to lead his people. Okay? As the father, that's what you're supposed to do. Joshua explains it and says, If it seems to be evil to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the God which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Now, this is the one that everybody remembers. But as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. That's the last part of that scripture. That's the one that everybody knows. But I'm going to tell you, in my home, yes, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It is a choice. Leading is a choice. When I was a young man, I was trying to be the leader in the family. Now, I didn't say I was a godly leader. Now, I'm just saying I was, I was trying to be the leader of the household. My wife didn't want that very much. Uh, she wanted to be in charge as well. And uh, so we went into prayer about it, and especially, like I said, when I decided it's time to, for me to start learning to be a pastor. Well, God set me down one day, and he explained to me, yeah, yeah, you're supposed to lead, but it's up to her to follow. You, can't, you don't force a wife to follow you. If you're a good leader, she will. Okay? So, like I said, you're supposed to lead. That don't mean you're going to force people to follow. If you're a good leader, they'll be there. Now, here's one that my father didn't quite understand. A godly father disciplines. Okay? In Proverbs 3, 11, and 12, it says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as the father of the son in whom he delights. So I had a human father who corrected me, and I paid him the respect that he was due, of course. Uh, but shall we not more, more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live for they intend for a few days chastened but and, and it seems best to them but he does it for our profit okay god's only getting on to us and, and teaching us the way to do things in the way that he wants us to do it for our profit to make us a better human being like i said it was hard for me to believe when i was a kid that discipline is an act of love because it wasn't discipline i received it was you know, my father was pretty heavy on the punishment side of it. There's a difference between punishment and discipline. Discipline draws you closer together. Punishment is spoken in anger and harshly. Discipline is usually spoken kindly and lovingly. Punishment produces a bitter, poisonous fruit. Discipline produces the fruit of acting in the right way or righteousness. You need to learn the difference between discipline and punishment. Fourthly, 
A father has compassion for his children, and I believe this is one of the most important ones. You know, uh, my dad raised us up, and he says, man, men don't cry. You know, you get an arm chopped off, you're going to throw some dirt on it and walk off. It's going to be all right. You know, you just didn't cry, you didn't do that mess. But on Psalms 103, 13, 14, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he who knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. So you don't need, a teach, need teaching and discipline all the time or even leadership. You need compassion. A father that can sit down next to his child and cry with him when something happens in their life is much more important than the one who's going to get on to him for crying in public. You know, that hug in public is worth a lot more than that spanking in private. Okay? So there was times my son would get in trouble in school and we'd go pick him up and take him for ice cream because we felt he did the right thing. So, yeah, it, it all depends. You do things in public and let them know that, hey, we don't agree with this discipline or this punishment you're giving our child. And they, they tend to listen a little bit better. So your godly father is there for you. He is not an absentee father. So a father is there. You have to be there with your children. In Deuteronomy 1, through 31, it says, then I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in a wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son. In all the ways that you went until he came to this place. Now not only did God do this, but Jesus came in and he reinforced that. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Okay? So our Father's going to be with us no matter what we do. Our spiritual Father. So He makes a way to be there. That's not always the case here on earth. That's why we need our Heavenly Father. I wish I could say I could always be there for my children and grandchildren. Uh, it's just not possible. There's a lot of things pulling us away and making us do other things. So we have a Heavenly Father who can be there. So always and forever, lift your children up to Him. They see you praying for them, they're more likely to sit down and pray for Him. Okay? Sixthly, a godly father provides for his children. Now, we don't, can't provide all of their needs, but we can give them their wants, maybe a few desires, that kind of thing. But 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So there it is in black and white. If you don't provide for your children, you're not going to make it. You know, he flat tells you. We have an obligation to provide for the needs of our families and not just the material or financial needs. There's emotional needs as well. Listen to Jesus describing our heavenly father as he compares his to an earthly father. Matthew 7, 9 through 11 says, What man is there among you who if his son asks for bread will give him a stone or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to you? So he portrays a good earthly father as someone who just provides goods and gifts to his children and good food to them. 
Uh, fathers, we have a God-given responsibility to provide for our families. It's in the Bible in many, many places. Now, of course, Jesus' famous statement is, is, and the greatest of these is love. A father needs to love his children. Well, how do you do that? 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 8 says, 4 through 8 says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, and is not provoked. Thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. A father needs to love. We need to know what that means. Some fathers think if they bring a paycheck home, they've done their duty. Sorry, guys. There's five ways that we need to be told that we are loved. Learn them. Your children need to feel loved in all five ways. You need to show them what love is. Teach them how to love. You know, that when your kids see you and they all of a sudden, like my grandson just the other day, me and my wife kissing and dancing in the kitchen, he comes by, ew, but he sees that. When he gets older, he's going to know that his grandma and grandpa loved each other. It may be ooh now, but it makes a difference in their future when they see that love shown between a couple in their families. So that love is very important. So you have to discipline in love, okay? You can't just pull out the belt and start spanking and It's just, you know, discipline in love. They need to know why when and how before you raise that belt. Don't just start yelling at them willy-nilly. It doesn't work that way and you're, you're, just, you're just perpetuating the problem. Okay, you need to discipline in love. Like I said, man, he was stomping all over me. You know. <laughs> you gotta show them compassionate love. Okay, if something's going on in their life, hey, I've lost all kinds of things in my life. You know, there's been several girlfriends that dumped me. I'm sorry, it happened. I hate to, hate to, you know, but we need to show that compassion when it happens to our children as well. It could be a boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, hey, sit down with them. Let them know that, you know, I'm sorry, but grandma was not my first love. <laughs> I had that puppy love issue as well, but they, and they need to know that, and it happens. You lose people in your life. God took them away from you for a reason. Okay. Your son's feeling that same way you felt when you were a kid, so you need to walk in there and show them that compassionate love. Let them know, that I've been there, done that, son. I know it hurts, but things still get better. Okay. Most of all, be there and support and show them that you are there as an individual. It's very hard being a father today. It is not, it is not the norm to have mother and dad in the same home anymore. You know, it's, it's just not. If that is in your household, that is not the norm. And, and believe it or not, these kids get picked on for having both parents in the house. The exact opposite of what it was. So, so you got to look at it and look at it that way. Both parents are in the house. That's not normal for these kids anymore. They've got two dads, two Christmases, two this, and two, uh, who knows. So as a father, it's, it's very hard out there. So once you've done your, your best, you know, of course, lift them up. Lift them to the Lord in prayer. Bring them to church. Do Bible studies with them. 
Have devotions with them. But above all, introduce them to their Heavenly Father. You will have done your job, and they will be eternally grateful. Literally. Because when they're in heaven, they're going to look back, and the person that brought them in was their dad. They will be literally, eternally grateful to you for that. Now, I had to add this on the end because she brought it up last night. Believe it or not, guys, Mother's Day actually came first. As far back as 1860s, in the 1860s, they had Mother's Day. But Mother's Day was not what it is today. Mother's Day was a celebration of the Mother Church. It was not a celebration of the mothers in our lives back then. It didn't become a national holiday until 1914. But it only took them six years to get that one in. About the same time, 1907 versus 1908, is when Mother's Day and Father's Day were both put forward to become national holidays. Like I said, it took six years for the Mother's Day to happen. 63 years for Father's Day. <laughs> it wasn't until 1970 that the Father, Father's Day became a national holiday. <laughs> I got to say. But once again, you know, the fathers kind of fought that as well because when they started doing it in 19... Look at my notes here. 1938, it was a national clothing store that was putting it forward as a commercial holiday. So dad's like, dude, nah, I already spent enough on mom and Christmas. and I, No, we're not. No, we don't need another one. <laughs> so even the fathers were fighting against it. But like I said, that first one was held, a Father's Day was held in 1908 in a church in West Virginia to honor 362 men who were killed the previous year in a coal mine explosion. And that was the first ever to strictly honor fathers that had passed. So I think that was very important to note. After that, this young lady, Sonora Smart Dodd, started a quest to establish Father's Day because she didn't have a mom. You know, she wanted to honor her dad who stepped in and, and did it alone for six kids. They didn't have two or three, it was six kids. So, and she fought for years to get it passed. And like I said, it took forever. It wasn't until 1972 when President Nixon, Richard Nixon signed it into law. Okay, so it took a long time for that to happen. That doesn't mean people didn't celebrate it before that. You know, we all honored our fathers for years. And this is something she told me last night that I did not realize one of the first commandments that ever tells you anything and makes a promise to you in the Bible is honor your father and mother. Honor your father and the mother and you will have everlasting life. So, so in closing, you know, fathers are very important, but this it's just changed that. It's parents are very important. We have to work together. We have to do things together. And it may be a single mother, but that single mother is stepping in as a father. She is the leader until another father shows up. And that step-in father is just as important. And like I said, that step-in parent is just as important. Okay? And they, they chose to be there. They weren't forced. I hope that you have enjoyed this podcast. To stay up to date on all the happenings at Happy Valley Baptist Church, you can go to facebook.com slash hvbcnm. That is facebook.com 
slash HVBCNM, as in Happy Valley Baptist Church, New Mexico. To find additional podcast sermons, you can go to podcast.hvbcnm.org. We would also like to invite you to come worship with us if you are in the Carlsbad, New Mexico area. We are at 4103 West Texas Street in Carlsbad. Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. and Sunday morning services start at 10.45 a.m. Thank you and God bless.